Chapter One of Laughter Limited. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marty on the Central Coast of California. Laughter Limited by Nina Wilcox Putnam. Chapter One. I never could have done it if I'd have known Strickland was in the audience. You know how it is, perhaps. You can make a swell snappy speech at the stag dinner but only stutter if friend wife is among those present or if your sweetie is down front the valedictory which sounded so well in front of your bedroom mirror comes out like the contents of a non-refillable bottle in little spouts and dashes so it's a good thing i didn't know strick was there until afterward although why i didn't see him when i looked out at the audience from behind the curtains of the high school auditorium stage is a wonder to me because to begin with he was a complete stranger to our town and was sitting all the time with bert green our leading and only photographer i was kind of looking for old bert green he being a particular friend of mine and had taken a lot of photos of me free on account of my map going so well in his showcase but some way or another i missed seeing either of those boys you know the way a big hall seating nearly three hundred people and all lit up with a dozen or more electric lights looks from the stage sort of blurry and confusing i could hardly tell one from another except the course pop but then i had bought his seat myself and i could plainly see him occupying it and a little bit of the seats on either hand as well then i was terribly excited too ridiculous of course because here i had been acting in every show the stony brook dramatic club had given for the past three winters or since i was just barely fifteen and ought to have become accustomed to the big audiences that always turned out on these occasions but although i was san Husis the year we gave the mikado and that's the leading woman's part and had led the floridora sextet in the performance we gave for the benefit of the new church organ and other parts besides not to mention receiving the mrs carey benton prize for elocution in grammar school i had never got over being nervous before performance and going all hot and cold and my throat pulsing and other bona fide systems of genuine artistic temperament and this night of the stony brook follies of nineteen twenty which was sort of a super amateur vaudeville I was about to do a daring novelty specialty which my chum Ella Benton and Mr. Schoonmacher, our choirmaster, and I had gotten up ourselves, so I felt more temperamental than usual. It was really a wonderful program we had, taking off all the follies of the town of Stony Brook, you see. There was a little opening violin solo by little Annie Benton. Ella's younger sister, and the committee had put that on the program first, because of being afraid the folks wouldn't wait for it otherwise, as Annie was only eleven, and her mother had kindly but firmly volunteered Annie's services. Then, after Annie played Moonlight on the Sonata by Beethoven, there was a scream of a skit on Our Lady's Literary Club meeting with fat old Mr. Edwards, the bicycle repair shop man, as Mrs. Edwards, his own wife, leading the meeting. Then, after that, a couple of the boys sang a song and had a line on pretty nearly everybody in the hall in it, to the tune of You'd Be Surprised, and Mr. Schoonmacher, in evening clothes, played a medley jazz on the piano, and then came our act. It was a parody on Trixie Truman in her great special film production, 
rich men's daughters, and I took the part of Trixie. It was the scene where Trixie is rocking the cradle with her poor little unwanted baby in it, and her father, that was Mr. Schoonmacher, goes off to work, and the heavy, that was Ella, in boys' clothes, mustache and all, comes in and tries to kill them both. If I do say it, we had gone to a lot of trouble with the set, having hung black mosquito netting between us and the audience, and hiring a special machine all the way from New Haven, which Joe Schilke, the colored janitor of the school, operated for us from the balcony, and which threw a flickery light on us while we acted, giving just exactly the effect of a moving picture. Almost. Well, I went through my part without accident, and Mr. Schoonmacher was fine, and if Ella hadn't lost her mustache in the excitement towards the end, the act would have gone off perfectly. By good luck, the folks thought she lost it on purpose. In any ways, the act went over big, so that when I left the stage, my cheeks felt like they were burning up, and I hardly knew I was walking as I come around through the wings, where the blackboards and desks and things which usually occupied the stage had been stored for the evening, meaning to go down front in my costume and make up and see the rest of the show myself. Also, to give the audience another chance to look at me the way I was. It's awful hard to lay off acting once you got a costume on. Well, as I come down the steps from the stage door that opened out into the hall, naturally one or two grabbed me and told me how good I was. And first among them was Bert. Bonnie, you were immense, he says in a loud whisper his glasses falling off his long nose the way they always did every few minutes when he got excited, but always fortunately being caught by the black string he had on them. Immense, simply great. We all thought you were wonderful. Did you honestly, Bert? I whispered back, and then I noticed Bert was not alone. Behind him in the dimness was another man, some boy. I could lamp that even in the dark. And then in another second, Bert was making us acquainted. Meet Miss Bonnie McFadden, Mr. Greg Strickland, Bert whispered. Strickland thought your acting was immense, he added in a whisper as the elegant Mr. Strickland and I shook. Delighted, he murmured. Aren't you coming to sit with us? I could only nod dumbly because the curtain was getting ready to struggle up again by now, and we had to hustle into our seats. But all through the next number, which was kind of an Americanized Greek dance, rendered by Miss Lassell, the Del Sart teacher, I could hardly look at the stage for looking at Mr. Strickland, and yet trying not to let him know it. This bird was far different from any which had yet flown into our town. I got that right away, and I was in a position to know, because of meeting probably more visiting men than any other girl. You see, I did practically all the buying for Pop's store, and saw every traveling man that come through. But none of these were the least bit like Mr. Strickland. I kept sizing him up out of the corner of my eye, and he certainly had class washed within an inch of his life. He was the most thoroughly washed-looking person I had ever set eyes on. He even smelled faintly of some clean scent that wasn't soap and certainly wasn't cologne. The handkerchief peeping out of his breast pocket was pure linen with a hand-embroidered cutwork monogram, and everything else about him was to match. I don't mean in the sense of socks and tie and colored border, far from it. I mean he had class, 
snap and an awful lot of knowledge showed in every line he sure gave me a thrill and made me wild with excitement about who and what he was and where he come from and when in the middle of miss lassell's greek dance he leaned across me and whispered to bert i nearly passed out on the minute for here is what he said i say bert he whispered not loud but only so's the people in our immediate vicinity could hear him i say bert the last time i had dinner with doug and mary charlie did a parody of a dance like that and by jove it was almost as funny as this is is that so says bert it must have been immense mr strickland is in the pictures he added to me well he didn't need to i had got it the first time my heart gave a jump so big it's a wonder i didn't lose it so that was the answer was it i might have known perhaps he was even a well-known lead i took a good look at his handsome profile and decided not if he had been anybody's juvenile i would have known it for very few had got by me even then and i don't know how our local picture theatre would have met expenses only for ella and me so you are in the pictures mr strickland i whispered at him uh yes he whispered back casting director at silvermont that was pretty nearly too much for me if he had said he was the president it wouldn't have been half the jolt mr and mrs cummings in front heard and turned to look also everybody else in hearing distance one at a time the way they do when they overhear things then miss lassell's act was over to polite clapping and the lights come on right away mr strickland turned toward me leaning on the back of his chair in a pose of elegant restlessness his big brown eyes sort of eating me up i say bertie old boy said he still looking at me however can't we cut out of this and go somewhere i'm sure miss mcfadden has seen this amateur stuff often enough already and i'm dying to talk to the only real actress in the show imagine why i guess we could go over to the ice cream parlor says bert how about it says strickland quickly to me already reaching for his hat let's go all right i says but my makeup oh never mind it says strickland it is charmingly becoming and then somehow we were up and leaving the hall a thing which simply wasn't done at stony brook dramatics club annual performance people turned and stared but all of a sudden i felt miles above them i belonged to the professional world a talented young actress using her privilege of behaving different from the common herd and just naturally beating it off in company with a casting director and an art photographer we should worry about a bunch of hicks gathered to watch a bum amateur show or what they thought of us in fact the only thing worried me was that pop might spot us and wish himself on the party but luckily he didn't and i got my coat out of the lobby as quick as i could and then the three of us set off along the wet wintry street in the dark with the damp leaves sticking to the tar pavements and to our shoes down towards joe's place where the red and white electric ice cream sign made a bright spot in the silent center of town are you staying here long mr strickland i asked as soon as i got courage enough to control my throat just for tonight he said i have my reservations rest for tomorrow i've wired the coast to expect me by monday at the latest california says i yes says mr strickland swishing at the dead leaves hollywood you'd better come along 
he added laughing sure thing i says will you get me a job i'd like the chance no kidding says he you have a face that would screen wonderfully miss mcfadden that's what i always tell her says old bert eagerly i'd just like to show you the last set of cabinet photos i've made of her i'd like to see them says strickland of course you know you are exactly trixie truman's type he went on only of course she is dark by the way i see in the papers that she hasn't yet signed her new contract with silverman just as i advised her he only offered her twenty-five hundred a week which is of course absurd for a girl in her position i told her she'd be a fool to take it unless he gave her a piece of the picture as well of course i says trying to appear as casual as he how ridiculous why i think it's immense put in bert his eyeglasses falling off simply immense what they tell about the big money in pictures is really so then i always thought it was just for advertising of course it's true says the visitor fairbanks makes at least a million a year and heaven only knows what the producers rake in of course a little chap like myself isn't worth much i only draw down five hundred a week myself but then what do you expect for doing all the real work he seemed to think so little of the money that i didn't dare pass any remark about that but an idea was already pounding my brain bert i says if mr strickland would really like to see how i photograph couldn't you show him some pictures why not run up to the studio instead of the ice cream place said mr strickland we can smoke up there well if bonnie says so says bert doubtfully we are right at it now of course why not i says trying to be naturally bohemian but my heart pounding to begin with it was the first time anybody in stony brook had called bert's shop a studio secondly it was also the first time i had ever gone to a studio at night but i did it that evening i was crazy and happy all made up like an actress in a studio with two professional men with cigarettes even when we were inside and bert was getting out my pictures i even took a cigarette myself from mr strickland's gold-filled case you know you really ought to go in the pictures miss mcfadden he says lighting it for me no kidding you are wasting your time in this dead little burg am i really like trixie truman i says she's my favorite i don't care so much for some of the others i i go to pictures a lot and i'm awfully critical no wonder says he considering what a lot most actors get away with but you'd be a hit i know i'll say you are the best-looking girl i've seen in years you won't mind me saying that and you think i'd scream says i my dear girl it's my business to know he comes back at me what do you think a casting director is well up to then i hadn't been exactly sure but now i realized that my hunch had been right he was the bird that picked up the chickens for part i wasn't any more excited than if i had found a diamond necklace but i didn't show it much you know you really are a most unusual type he went on quite ideal in fact those yellow curls now i'll bet they are your own of course i says trixie's aren't said he what says i great heavens i've seen her pin them on he laughed i just absolutely couldn't speak for a moment they paid her twenty-five hundred a week and her hair was false and mine was real 
why if that was so my hair ought to be worth heaven's new what look at these says bert proudly bringing out my pictures every one of them mounted on a special embossed extra strong folders sepia finished there i was at two years at six at ten then in my graduation dress and these i sort of hated mr strickland to see but bert loved them all the one with the gauze round my bare shoulders and the rose behind my ear had more class and my heart thumped hard when mr strickland held it up to the arch-light wonderful future he murmured all you've got to do is to try you ought to come out to the coast it's the only sensible thing to do end of chapter one recorded by marty on the central coast of california